0: Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan
1: Cohn in London.
0: Every week we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. On today's show, we're continuing our potluck and picnics theme with a no bake dessert because turning on our ovens this time of year is simply intolerable. You know what else says summer to us? Road trip. We'll reminisce about some memorable eats on the road and offer some tips if your summer plans include a long car ride. And we'll review the Barefoot Contessa's peach and blueberry crumble we introduced last week. So pour yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk.
1: Andrea, by the time this episode airs, which is the second week of August, I will have been in London for about two months, which is mind-boggling. And I have to admit, I've had some pangs of homesickness for the Pacific Northwest, And one thing that's, it's true, I didn't know if you could be homesick if, like, all of your family was around you, you know? It's an interesting, Mm -hmm. it's an interesting experience. It's a place homesickness. It can be, it can be a place homesickness. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that's helped me is making really familiar food. And this week, I made my very favorite plum cobbler with cinnamon biscuits. And I've been making this plum cobbler every summer since two thousand and I don't make it any other time of year. It just tastes wrong in like, you know, February or something, even if you could get plums. Okay. Okay. And I was thrilled because the plums here in Great Britain are delicious. All of their summer produce is coming in, and it's really good. And I made that plum cobbler, and I just – I took a bite, and I thought, you know what? I'm home. Like, it just felt so comforting and – Oh, that's um, perfect. Really nice. And um, it makes a huge batch, so I've had it like five nights in a row now, but <laughs> – Excellent. Even
0: Excellent. better. Do you – do you use um, black plums or red
1: plums or just whatever's available at the market? Yeah, I mean you could even use yellow. It. Specifically calls for oh. red, but I've used okay. all in the past. They just have to be um, not mushy. When they've gone mushy, it's too it's too much. But not hard. So they have to be just really nice, um, with a little bit of give, kind of as you would um, for you know our peach cobbler coming up or or things like that too. But uh, mm-hmm. it turns this beautiful, beautiful, um, just dark crimson, and then has these cinnamon biscuits on top and. Oh, my goodness. I love it with some Haagen-Dazs vanilla ice cream on top. And it did. It helped. I know you're not supposed to, you know, eat your emotions, but I kind of was. And it (laughs) it felt okay. (laughs) We give you a special dispensation.
0: Uh, Two weeks, 2 I'm sorry, two months is not Mm -hmm. actually a long time, I think, to adjust to things. And I know, I think I've mentioned to you when I moved to Olympia from Seattle, which is nowhere on the scale of moving from London uh, to London from Seattle. But there was one day, Olympia loves roundabouts instead of traffic lights. (laughs) And I remember being rather lost one day, and I ended up just circling one roundabout probably 10 times trying to figure out where to get off. And At a certain point, I just felt like crying and thought, I just don't know if I can do this. (laughs) So yeah, I know what you mean. I had all my family with me as well. And I had my old home, you know, an hour away, but you're still trying to get used to a new place
1: and navigate it. And it's challenging. Yeah. And you know, we're going to talk next episode, I think it is about kind of our personality styles and how they influence how we act in the kitchen. And I realized that there's so much I can't control still about this situation that I found myself in for better or for worse yes and I can now control this is my recipe I know exactly how to make it I'm comfortable enough with my new oven I know exactly how to use that and that felt really good and empowering you know in a time when there I don't have a lot of control so that felt excellent yeah yes um, here is here is one thing I have mastered. I- <laughs> And we'll continue going forward with. Um, I posted that to Facebook, our Facebook community and also asked about some favorite summer desserts. And and um, you had said your uh, marionberry pie, which, of course, you're famous oh, yes. For. And we had some other listeners who had some, uh, you know, also summer-themed, like, fruit cobblers and fruit desserts. And Carrie from um, Houston, she had said her lemon icebox pie. And she posted the recipe. Yeah. And Andrea, were you so... Um, pleased to see that her recipe came from the Spicy Southern Kitchen, which is where our beloved chocolate chess pie came from back in February. Yes. And I love that
0: it was someone from the South
1: who, you know,
0: picked that recipe. I thought, oh, that means it's a good, authentic recipe. Yeah. And she's also makes a great lemon icebox pie. So that is absolutely one of my favorites as well.
1: And it just sounds so cool in the summer. You know, Mm -hmm. just the icebox word in it just makes you kind of cool down in in uh, in relation to that, but. Um, yeah, well, speaking of pies, I need a little bit of advice. The mm-hmm. Thurston
0: County Fair is coming up. Okay. And a lot of times I have been out of town for the fair. But this year, I'm actually in town. They have three contests that I'm interested in. And each one is on a different day. So I could theoretically do an entry for each one, but I haven't decided yet. So there is a berry pie contest. There is a cookie contest. And there is a chocolate cake contest.
1: Oh, Andrea.
0: I know. So I'm tempted to do the berry pie and I want to do the strawberry rhubarb crumble. I'm wondering if, you know, I've, I've read the rules and they're not that extensive. I'm wondering if that's going to be okay or if it has to be pure berry and, and the rhubarb would sort of not count.
1: Ooh. Yeah. What exactly is rhubarb? It's a. It's a plant. it's a veg. It's a plant. Yeah. What? Is think, it? Oh, does it fall? Yes. It's like one of those things, like a tomato, that's technically a fruit, but we all think of it as a vegetable. What is yeah, it? Yeah. I not think of a berry it as a you're you're fruit, right, but
0: now that you're it's, asking,
1: I mean, it's definitely not a berry. Let's <laughs> let's go with that. We can, we can rule it out of the berry family. This is a gray area. Is there anyone you can talk to in advance? I mean, strawberry oh, rhubarb is such idea. a popular flavor combination. I can't imagine that someone hasn't said this to them before. Like can I can I yeah. can I add that? Yeah. I Although wonder if that's
0: just a way to keep from getting a billion apple pies, which is what you typically get at a pie contest. Right. So yeah, I'm gonna look some more into that. Um I also thought about doing the cookies um and the chocolate cake, but there's just so many Things I could do with the cookies. I was thinking about Dory Greenspans, those World Peace cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, mm-hmm. I made them once. And those are really good and they're different and they're easy to make. Uh, but they still are kind of impressive because you roll them into a log and you slice them. And if I actually pay attention and do it well, they're, they're really pretty just because they're all uniform and look really good. It has a nice then, story, too. And it has a nice story with it. Um, And then the chocolate cake, I don't know. I'm a bit intimidated by that. I don't think I'm going to enter that because I just – I'm already imagining people doing these amazing, you know, seven-tiered, beautifully (laughs) frosted, you know, all all the sort of uh, um, bakery, pastry-level chocolate cakes. And I just can't compete with that.
1: Well, if I were the judge here, I think I would say (laughs) – and who knows? Maybe one day I will be. I think I would allow a strawberry rhubarb because that's, it's not I, like strawberry pumpkin, or I, you know, it's just not. It's it's it seems that it's still at its heart. You would call that a berry pie, right? Yeah. I might I might go
0: with the ask for forgiveness rather than permission tactic on this particular one because I did look at the rules and it didn't say you know berry pie entries must contain one hundred percent berries
1: so mm-hmm. I think I might I might just go for it I think you're I think you're right it's a way to like clear out the custard pies the the apple pie the pumpkin all of that so yeah just go yeah. for it <laughs> absolutely oh I a can't summer keep prize. us posted another another prize blue ribbon for your belt I'm sure is coming your way oh, so yeah. Oh, you never know. Um,
0: But speaking of desserts and fruits, how
1: did your Barefoot Contessa peach and blueberry crumble turn out? I was so happy, Andrea. We were debating, when I was still in Seattle, we were wondering if British folks had potlucks. And I was happy to find out. <laughs> they do. They do. They do. Yay! And um, the the neighborhood that I live in had um, a garden party potluck. Uh, they, it's a summer event they have every year. And we just happened to kind of stumble, you know, move in at exactly the right time. And I'm so happy Perfect. we did. We met so many people in our neighborhood. The kids met tons of other kids. There's lots of kids in our neighborhood, um, several of which go to their schools in the fall. Uh, it was, it was wonderful. And the food there was magnificent. Also, Um, the favorite thing that I had at this potluck was, um, those tiny meringue nests, like you would make a tiny pavlova. They just sell them here in the markets for, I don't know, you can get like four for a dollar. It's ridiculous. And then someone had filled them with a little bit of lemon curd and then the cream and berries. And first of all, they were gorgeous. They were so summery. You could pick them up. We talked last episode in episode um, 38 about what's a good, from an etiquette standpoint, what's a good thing to bring to a potluck. This this contributor nailed it. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but you could still pick it up and eat it. I mean, it was magnificent.
0: What a great idea. It,
1: it was. Um, so I was so happy because I had something to bring to the potluck. And it was this peach and uh, blueberry crumble cobbler. I keep... I keep pausing crumble, on the Crumble, thing. crumble. crumble, crumble. Yeah, it was a crumble. Yep. yep. So this was my first um, real test of going to the market here in London. And okay. um, first of all, my peaches were not local peaches, unfortunately. They're becoming more local now uh, as we're a little bit later into the season. But they mm. were from Spain. I'm not sure I've had a peach oh. from Spain before. Um, <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> I know, it seems so exotic, doesn't it? It's really it not. Has, does, it does have a, a little extra flair. <laughs> it's just... I look a little flamenco. Um, um, I also had to buy some brown sugar. And Andrea, the brown sugar here, as you know, I'm a huge fan of dark brown sugar. And I also love molasses. And they are not joking around. When they say dark brown sugar, it tastes just like you're eating, I, 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 it tastes like molasses. Exactly. I loved it. It was so, so delicious. Uh, the blueberries were in season. That was fine. Um, as I mentioned last episode, I don't have enough individual ramekins. So I made one big, one big dish of this and, Mm -hmm. um, it was eaten in its entirety. So I was very, very happy and relieved. Um, now, one interesting thing I noticed is that um, because it was on a weekday, uh, kind of right, I would say like early work off hours, like it started at five o'clock. There were a lot of okay. prepare, a lot of prepared foods. So, and certainly sure. the quality yeah. of prepared sure. foods you can get here is blowing my mind already. Um, but so, one thing that could have worked in my favor is I was one of the only homemade desserts, and okay. so I think people, you know, worldwide are intrigued by <laughs> by that. <laughs> We're willing to give it a shot. Um, they certainly yes. knew what it was. I'd ask some people, like I said, this is kind of a, a really um, classic, you know, American fruit dessert this time of year. And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And that wasn't okay. a problem, anything like that. So mostly I will look back in total fondness on this recipe because it is the first thing I made and shared in my new country. Oh, how
0: fun. Well, I had great success with it as well, although I did a bit of a cheat. Um, The most difficult part of the recipe is, you know, getting the peaches and immersing them in boiling water and peeling their skins. And I just use frozen peaches.
1: So amen to that, because I have never (laughs) had luck with that whole boiling thing. And I didn't again this time. I've never... No, I've never had luck with it. It it
0: also shows up in recipes with using tomatoes, you know, yep. doing that mm-hmm. whole immersion mm-hmm. and peeling the tomato skins. And I'm the same way. I've never had luck with it. I happen to have a bag of frozen peaches in my freezer. And I just thought... You know, it's not as if I'm laying these on top and they are, you know, meant to be beautifully presented. They're going to be cooked down anyway. So I just went ahead and used the the frozen peaches and I did do the individual ramekins. And I, as I mentioned last week, I made some of them for consumption that night, but the others I still have in my freezer and I thought it turned out just fine.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that once you have it all cooked down there with the blueberries and with the sugar and everything else and with the yummy um, crumbly topping that, anyone's going to, anyone's going to know. Um, yeah, that was, that was a uh, kind of the only annoyance is I, I boiled them dutifully. I boiled them, I think a little longer than she had suggested just nothing was happening. And what do I end up doing is just like tediously peeling peaches anyway, when I could have just done that to begin with. Right. Um, so I either skip it or just, you know, also I'm not adverse to skin. It doesn't bother me. I don't know how do you yeah, feel about you know, that? I mean peach is kind of fuzzy, well, but I don't know. I'm
0: I'm not sure about peaches. I I I thought I was averse to skin, just in terms of if you take a bite and it has that skin in it, sometimes like it pulls out. I don't I don't know how else to describe it, but mm-hmm, yeah. It just makes it, it just makes it sort of messy. But um I had started making my apple pies with the skin still on them. And I, instead of slicing, do chunks. And so I think when you do chunks, the skin is less noticeable. And um, no one has ever, as far as I know, noticed that I even use the skin or made a comment about it. I think, again, you know, once you mix it with all of these other things and you cover it with a crust or a crumble and you bake it for an hour, those sort of small distinctions go away.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. So, and, and that also makes this nice to just, you don't have to plan so far ahead. If you know you have some frozen peaches in the freezer, boom, you know, your your shopping list goes way down as well. Um, well, and
0: I would say to uh, listeners, treat this recipe as a template and feel free to substitute any two fruits. I mean, instead of peach and blueberry, you could certainly do, you know, plum and raspberry or, you know, you might want to make sure you're picking two things that are complementary. But I think that it would work with any two fruits. If you did one stone fruit and one berry, I think that combination would be fabulous.
1: Absolutely. So that was Ina Garten's um, Barefoot Contessa peach and blueberry crumble. And we have those links up on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. And let us know how it went for you. What we are going to make next week is
0: one of my summertime favorites and certainly one of my daughter's summertime favorites, which is an easy no-bake indoor s'mores bar. So I didn't want to stress Stefan out by trying to figure out how to start a small bonfire in her (laughs) new neighborhood, (laughs) but I love s'mores and uh, we have an outdoor fireplace, so certainly we do s'mores pretty much all summer long. But when I found this no-bake, I was intrigued, and I'm really actually looking forward to seeing if we can do it, Um, because sometimes the outdoors ones,
1: um, especially if you have kids, you just end up with a lot of flaming marshmallows. You do. And if you have smaller kids, I have many a memory of a a small child, mine or others, uh, with marshmallow all over in their hair. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
0: So yeah. it tends it tends to cause it a bit does, of a mess. So it does. If, if, if we can create a nice, um, I think it's going to be just like a nice bar in a sheet mm-hmm. pan and then you can cut it up. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to give you a tip ahead of time, listeners, if you're going to bake along with us, the um, author of the recipe does recommend that you cut the bars before you place the marshmallows on top and broil them because otherwise it can be really difficult to cut and separate them. Good so to. remember, we will... Put a link to this recipe on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. It will be on our Pinterest page and our Facebook page as well. And we hope you will bake these along with us or share your favorite s'mores
1: memories with us and tell us how you like to get your s'more fix in the summer. (laughs) I would love that. Well, Andrea, we're um, talking about summertime desserts and summertime memories, and lots of people go on a road trip in the summer uh, for a vacation. Um, This wasn't a huge thing in my family, but uh, my friend Leanne, I remember, she always had the best trips... uh, civil war battlefields in the South as she was from Missouri. And she would, um, spend these, these extensive road trips, um, checking out, you know, all of the, all of the historical places in the South. Um, One thing that's kind of interesting to me is that here in the UK, I don't have access to a car right now. I'm not sure that's going to be something we ever have access to, but um, we have been taking a lot of underground subway trips and then also just shorter hop train trips. And um, one thing that's really great is there is, in general, a more lax attitude about bringing your own food places. So, for example, Mm -hmm. like the movie theater, nobody's raising the alarms about, uh, streets from home, same as right. when you're on, on a train or, you know, uh, subway is oh, harder to okay. on. But, um, and, yeah. and the thing that's been so great, um, especially when we first moved here is the just huge amount of prepared food that is at every grocery store, oh. you know, all of the cafes, really high quality, um, you know, sandwiches, lots of really great salads, lots of good vegetarian options, lots of pre-made soups, everything. And um, I think that going forward as we travel more extensively, that's really something that I look forward to is packing um, some, some hampers and uh, getting going with, you know, variety of food.
0: So do you find that the pre-made food is more extensive than even in, say, like, let's just say a Whole Foods, like a high-end grocery store here in the U.S. in the deli section? It, you're saying that, that that's just sort of the norm
1: in London, in the regular grocery store? I think so. I mean, again, it's this, it's this also this issue of in Seattle, I wasn't looking for that. That's not how I shopped. That's not how I oh, ate. That's so it's true. it's possible yeah. that that stuff was there or was appearing there more and more, um, especially at places like a whole foods, but here it's every grocery store from your high end. I mean, they have whole foods here or another, um, great grocery store I really love is called Waitrose, um, but Marks and Spencer, yes. you know, all down to kind of their lower, um, you know, uh, more economical places to shop. They just have an extensive selection of grab and go, um, sandwiches, okay. salads, everything. And I think that's, you know, from being in the city. Um, but the, also yeah. the amount of kind of what I'd call semi-prepared food is also way more than I was ever noticing before too. Oh, okay. So, uh, you it's know, kind give of you a head start. Yeah, exactly. Um, but all of that to say, so what, uh, what kind of road trip memories do, do you have? And coming off this big cycling trip too, I suppose you have some tips from that as well.
0: Well, I do. And I think Leanne's parents might have communicated with mine because that is my childhood memory. You probably was, ran um, into each
1: other. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps we sighted each other across the field at uh, Vicksburg or um, one of those. You know, as a child, of course, this was incredibly boring to me. So for road trips, I focused on the food. That was my delight and the thing that I look forward to because, um, you know, as a kid, of course, you always want what you can't have. So since my mother cooked three homemade meals a day, what I longed for most desperately in life was fast food because I just thought that's what all the cool kids had and I was deprived. But on road trips, we could get fast food. And so I just really looked forward to our road trips for that. And my fondest memory is one summer, my parents, who are very fiscally frugal and wanted to pass that along to my brother and to me, they decided to give us a food budget. And so I remember they gave us $7 a day for our breakfast and our lunch, and then they would pay for our dinner. But they had a long
1: time. no. Yes, basically mm-hmm.
0: they had a long talk with us about, you know, here is this $7, you know, you you could either do 350 at breakfast and 350 at lunch or you could do $2 at breakfast and $5 at lunch, but right. you're in charge, you're responsible, you need to do this. Well, <clears throat> there was a roadside place
1: we often stopped to use the restroom called Stucky's. They had a blue metal roof. Do
0: you know of those? I or think, is it
1: just a Southern thing? I think Stucky's might be in Missouri or or Texas. Okay. Where have I been at a st- I have been somewhere at a Stucky's. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it
0: is certainly not a place I think anyone would willingly choose to go and <laughs> eat at. But... <laughs> But on my first day with my $7, we stopped at the Stuckies for... I think um, I think we had had breakfast at home that day because we had left in the morning. So we stopped there for like our first bathroom break. Let's say it's 10 in the morning. And um, Stucky sold something at the register called the pecan nut log. And I love pecans. And on the center was kind of this nougat sort of marshmallow-y filling. Okay, yes. And I think they were about a dollar each. And so I bought seven of them. Oh. And when I went, when I went out to the car... I remember my parents looking at me and saying, what is that? And I said, well, you know, I used my food budget and I bought these pecan nut rolls. And they were like, well, that, but that's for your breakfast and your lunch. And I said, yes, this is what I'm going to eat. And I remember them staring at each other. And of course, now with my perspective as a parent, I, I'm sure they were thinking to themselves, okay, so we didn't explicitly say you no must have nutritious no food with this. <laughs> yes. Yes, mm-hmm. uh huh. And so I just remember them looking at each other, and you know, in my little ten-year-old mind, I remember thinking, "What's the problem here?" Like, uh, you know, they I gave followed, me the money, and I, I followed the
1: your food. rules. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I bought the food I need for breakfast and lunch. It's pretty clear. So um, that particular day, I was allowed to eat that, and no further commentary was made. But um, as usual with my parents, they knew what they were doing because I remember getting quite ill from. The large consumption of pecan nut rolls. So that was really my last pecan nut roll. I have not been tempted yep. to try that again. That was and, gonna you know, the next day, <clears throat> my, my the next day I was looking at a more reasonable, you know, uh, maybe um, egg sandwich or something along those lines.
1: <laughs> it was my follow-up question. Have you had a pecan nougat roll since? And it sounds... No. <laughs> sounds like it's no, in your past. Now that oh no, pretty much solved
0: solved it for me. So now... Doing our road trips, my husband and I love to take road trips. Um, we often drive to Arizona to see his parents, which is a you know two to three day drive, depending on you know how how much you want to drive every day. And again, just you know, just like my parents, we don't eat fast food very often, hardly ever, until we're on the road. And uh, you know, it's so funny because our as a kid, uh, the fast food place of choice was McDonald's, and now as an adult, our fast food place place of choice is Starbucks. And I now understand kind of the appeal of it. I remember with my parents, my dad would say, you know, the nice thing about McDonald's is you know exactly what you're going to get. And I feel that way about Starbucks. I know the restrooms are there. I know what they're going to have behind the counter. I know what they're going to have at the register. I know my coffee is going to taste the same, whether I'm getting it in Kelso, Washington or in Mount Shasta in California. And so that is kind of our, our road trip food. And then we'll also take a cooler And pack a lot of snacks. So we'll um, bring, you know, beef sticks and cheese sticks and crackers and hummus. And often we'll stop at one of those rest areas and just have a nice sort of charcuterie type um, snacky type of lunch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's not too super unhealthy. And, you know, when you were talking about the kind of foods that you you relax your rules a little bit, I think. And um, one thing thing for years that I've treated myself to at an airport is (laughs) those... um, (laughs) How do you say it? The gordettos, that snack mix that's like the, oh, it's super, super salty, super garlicky, and um, it it just, they sell it in kind of these bags. No, it's no in a bag. In bag. Okay. And it's got, it's kind of like a, a, you know, fancy Chex mix, but it's its own brand. And it's got, you know, the little, I don't know, um, crispy, you know, uh, what do you even call them? Just, just different crispy pretzely snacks. Okay. But the, the problem with the, your dettos is that um, it just gives you <laughs> breath like you've been licking at the gutter and... <laughs> At some point, I realized, like, this may not be a wise choice for getting on an airplane where I may have to, you know, <laughs> the person the next to you is saying, oh,
0: could you pick that? Put that bag away, please. I know
1: it. I know well, it.
0: on our on our bike trip, um, food was more being used as fuel, and so of course it had a, a different purpose on the bike trip. And I foolishly kind of repeated my Stucky's pecan nut log mistake in that, <laughs> oh, you know. No. I, I thought, I you know, like I have certain kind of bite foods that I like. And so I just stocked up on those. I thought, well, I'll have them twice a day. So I need to bring 30 because I'm gone for 15 days. Well, um, let me tell you, after your, you know, 10th or 12th, um, you know, whatever it is, pink lemonade, honey stinger gummies or, um, you know, coconut, mint, certain type of protein bar. You're so sick of it. Yeah, it, it yeah. You just do not even want to see it again. And so it's so funny. I I said to my husband, you have got to remind me next time that we do this variety, 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 like do not bring more than about, you know, four to five of the same snack because you just get so tired of it.
1: And you're not thinking that when you're packing, you're like, oh, I really like those. And that sounds really good to me right now. And you're not thinking because you're in total variety mode of your normal life. And so, yes. yeah, it, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't have the same kind of like caution. Feeling is when you've just eaten 12 of them and you're like, I never want to see this again. I know it. No more Raspberry Pro bars for the rest of my life. <laughs> so this made me think of something not related to a road trip, but did relate to I'm gonna be <laughs> so sick of something. So you know the measurements here are different, and I'm still getting used to that. And Amazon.co.uk, um, that's the Amazon site over here. That oh, okay. as in the US, they will sell a variety of things. And one thing I'm having a hard time finding is wheat germ, and oh, okay. So, so for some really basic, uh, I don't have this exactly yet, but 500 grams is roughly a pound, and okay. um, I only know that because I just bought six pounds of wheat germ. <laughs> oh my gosh! You so are set for the next two the, years. And the recipe that I use it in, it literally calls for about two and a half tablespoons, and I make this bread. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. And I was having a really hard time finding it and I was doing some research and I I thought maybe I'm calling this something, they call it something different. No, they call it wheat germ. Mm -hmm. It's just a little harder to come by. You know, found this on Amazon. Great. Mm Kind of clicked and didn't really read. The box shows up at the house and my daughter says, this is really heavy. What one's, you know, what is this one? What are you expecting? I said, I I don't know. Wheat germ? I now have six pounds of wheat germ in my freezer. So (laughs) I will never have to buy wheat germ. Um, while well, I live here I'm stocked and everyone who visits okay. me is going to get that as like a parting gift so <laughs> <laughs> a, a fairly non-traditional
0: hostess gift but one perhaps to be appreciated welcome nonetheless welcome to London and here's a pound of Weecher <laughs> Listeners, if you have any recipes that you
1: like that use wheat germ, please send them Stefan's way. I need them and hopefully a copious amount of wheat germ, not just like a sprinkling on your smoothie, but like we're really talking wheat germ. So yes, please. <laughs> Gosh. Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to our dishes. Join us next week as we combine two of our favorites, bananas and blueberries in a delicious cake topped off with some cream cheese frosting. Make that three of our favorites. We'll also take a look at our personality styles and how they influence our baking habits and review our indoor s'mores. Remember, you can find us in our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, and download us on Apple and Google Podcasts, where we'd love if you subscribe to the show and gave us a five-star review. Both things will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Heated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Hang on.
0: The joys of a new studio.